Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. It has been a pretty wild few days in the NFT space, and anyone that has spent any time as far as on Twitter, on Discord, or anywhere really related to NFTs, looking at the different data on IC tools or wherever, Moonbirds is definitely going to come up. So we're going to discuss that and really cover all the different things that's going on, first starting with the 2.5 ETH Mint, and then it had a peak of about 21 ETH, and right now it's settled around 18 ETH or so, and the Mint alone brought in $75 million worth of ETH, and the various trades and everything that has been going on over the secondary markets, we're talking about $281 million US dollars of value being traded hands. So today, we're going to take a look at all of this stuff. We're definitely having a lot of mixed emotions in the space as far as how this project goes, so we're going to analyze and make sense of all this madness. And this question was posed to me by one of my fellow chibis and also New Yorker, although now I'm in Jamaica. However, I grew up in New York, but Double G NFT on Twitter asked just for my thoughts on this project as to what's going on there. And I'm always happy to discuss NFTs and dive into projects and really do some research, roll up my sleeves and then spit out all the data to you guys. So with that said... The team behind this Moonbirds NFT is actually the same team behind the Proof Collective. And this is one of the heavy hitter NFTs as far as what they're doing over on the ETH blockchain. And they have just some people behind this team and a lot of money. We're speaking about a thousand members and they own over 150,000 various NFTs. We're talking about CryptoPunks, Bored Apes, MeBits art blocks, land in the metaverse, and all sorts of different things. And this team has a lot of money behind it, a lot of heavy hitters, a lot of whales in this uh, collective of 1,000 holders. And currently right now, if you look on OpenSea, the cheapest one, or I should say the floor price to get one of these proof collective NFTs is 90 ETH right now. So that is a whole lot of money. And of the 1,000, there is actually 932 different holders. So this is spread out pretty thin, meaning that the people that do have it, they're holding on to it and those people that are willing to sell it, you're going to have to pay a huge premium to get into this. And when I'm scanning the blockchain, I'm seeing the original mint prices of 1 ETH and 2 ETH. I'm not sure what the official is or if there was a tiered, maybe an early drop or whatever it might be. However, uh, this was maybe it was auctioned off or something. But those are the figures that I'm seeing right now. So either way, regardless of what it was minted for, it has definitely risen up in value. So over the last four months, the team has definitely delivered to its holders, so much so that most of them are willing to hold it. And those that are willing to sell it, there is a massive swing between where it was minted to where it is actually is right now market price the floor price and this community is offering all sorts of a gated access to a different alpha there's different airdrops and uh, access to not only the community the founders and this amazing group of people that obviously have a lot of eth but also just anything going on getting whitelisted or pre-approved for various things and anything to really benefit each other and really spread that news and get each other in through the front door. That is uh, just one of the things, the benefits and access of having something like this. So the idea of this now expanding to this whole Moonbirds thing was it's having these 10,000 
PFP projects because the original Proof Collective, it is not a profile picture project. So now they're doing the owls, at least I think it is an owl, and they're doing 10,000 of them. And it is that same pixelated type of art that you'll see on the punks or whatever it might be. Not very highly detailed, whatever, but most people are getting into this for all the utility and all the benefits associated with this group of investors. And this was minted at 2.5 ETH, and this is 10,000 generative. So there's a lot of complaints about the whole price and everything as far as saying this is pricing out the market. And of course, now that everything has really taken off and understanding that this is not for the average person being able to get into this and this whole wag me, you know, we're all going to make it whatever. So a lot of people are feeling a little bit bitter about the whole thing, but also the whole process of the whitelisting and how they did the raffle. And there's a lot of things going on there. But I'll definitely, before I tackle all of that, what I'll say is as far as pricing goes, I definitely look at how something is priced a very different way than most people. I don't necessarily just look at the dollar figure. I understand it and I I line it up with what is actually going here. And believe it or not, especially when it comes to information, getting access to groups and all that, I compare it to things outside of Web3. And that is how I get my pricing. And when we're talking about membership, something is like very exclusive. We're talking about these ETH heavy hitters. This kind of reminds me of a country club. And when you think of a country club, let's say Augusta National, which is the green jackets for Masters PGA Tour. It's at Augusta, Georgia, where this golf course is. And to be a member of this, let me just tell you the access of type of people and what it's going to cost you to get into one of these things. And this is the blue chip golf course. And we're talking about having access to people such as Warren Buffett, Peyton Manning, Bill Gates. And we know that these business people, they say that business gets done on the golf course because when Peyton Manning and all these guys, they go out to speak about movie deals and film deals and ESPN deals or whatever it might be, they're going to go off and shoot some golf. And it's not just playing a game. It's rubbing shoulders with big shots. And these were deals get done. So much so that even like world leaders, they take these diplomatic trips to go play golf in there, brokering and negotiating world peace <laughs> on the golf course, which is crazy itself. But anyways, that's what goes on. And 300 members at Augusta is the actual cap for how many members that they take. And in order to join that, you have to pay $300,000 or so upfront. And then there's a $30,000 annual fee. Now, access to all of those people and all these different things. There's people that are actually doing it. There is a waiting list and just giving a proportion to say this 300 is 33 times less supply than a 10,000 collective PFP. So if we're doing the math to say, okay, a 10,000 PFP that actually works out to 7,500, when you do the math, multiply that by 33, Funny enough, it actually gets it to about $250,000. So we're in the ballpark right now of what it actually costs to join Augusta National when you do the math and trying to adjust it for 300 members, right? Of course, this is not an exact science, but I'm just saying proportionally, what it is to get into one of these exclusive clubs, it is a lot of money. And we're not even talking about a $30,000 annual or anything like that, trying to adjust that to get it down. But anyways, people join these golf clubs, exclusive country clubs and exclusive whatever it might be, alpha groups and masterminds and all sorts of things. And they're willing to pay a lot of money to have access to certain people. But here's the crazy thing about Augusta National and a lot of these elite country clubs is it does not matter what you're willing to pay to get into it. They set their price and they actually have a rule where it's invite only and you have to know somebody that's in there. It's not like you can uh, just walk off the street. It doesn't matter how 
how much money you have, you could be the most wealthy person in the world. If you're not invited by an existing member, you're not getting in. Or some of these, if you're not going through the whole application process, you're not getting in. But most of them are actually only invite only. So there is no secondary market. If these were things were that were able to be traded on the open market, who knows what a membership for Augusta National would actually go for? I'm pretty sure that some rapper or some athlete or some rock star or billionaire tech person that's even in this Web3 space is going to easily drop some massive amounts of money to get one of these memberships. Because think about it, if they're buying NFTs for millions of dollars, just to go in here and just rub some elbows with Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and those people, I'm pretty sure they'll drop 100 ETH on that and get in there really quick. But that is just the membership side. We're also speaking about the value of information because one of the huge selling points of this is the quote unquote alpha, the inside information that you're going to get with the access to all of these whales. And anytime it comes to purchasing for knowledge or information products or anything of that nature, what I always use to compare it to, which might be unorthodox, unconventional, is I always go back to what I paid per credit for my college tuition. And this is all the way back in 2008, going to the same school right now would be probably way more. I have no idea what tuition is going for at my alma mater. However, we're talking about $900 per credit at that time. So an average class, we're talking about three or four credits. So I line up everything really to the amount of knowledge that I got in a class and compare it to whatever course or membership or whatever it is that I'm purchasing for the sake of knowledge. Someone who has a marketing background such as myself, I line things up with the average course. We're talking about a cheap low-end course is gonna be $4.97, but $9.97 is really the sweet point for uh, where these courses are going to sell because really, honestly, people don't really differentiate between a $4.97 and a $9.97 course. That's a just marketing thing in itself, but anyways. So $9.97 and a high-end course, we're talking about maybe $19.97, so anywhere between $1,000 and $2,000 really is is what they're going to sell these marketing courses for. And yes, I have paid these before. And we're talking about, these are like the quote unquote online gurus that are teaching you how to do certain things like building websites and SEO marketing, sales advertising, copywriting, running online challenges, any kind of thing that has to do with online marketing. That's what this information actually goes for. Now, as there's various memberships, an exclusive group where you're working directly with whatever founder or teacher or whatever it is, quote unquote guru. And we're talking about $1,000 per month. That's $12,000 per year. And they'll do some sort of discount like you pay up front for the entire year, $10,000. And these things sell in all sorts of industries, all sorts of areas. So this is not just crazy stuff. This is actually what things are selling for online right now. And believe it or not, one of my bucket list goals, if you will, is actually to get into this mastermind, which is a group of 25 business people that actually talk about this stuff on how to do various things as far as running online businesses and so forth. And it is $100,000 per year. Now, there's all sorts of minimum thresholds that you have to go through in order to get into such a group. But just to be a member with them and meet with them a few times per year, you have to fly there, you guys get together and you discuss all of your different things, learn from each other other bounce ideas off each other. It is $100,000 per year. So that is how I sort of look at the access to various people. I'm looking at the country club prices, the price of information and all this stuff. And I'm combining it to say, well, is 7,500 or this 2.5 ETH really that crazy of a price? No, it's not. However, I understand why people feel the way they feel because I am not a whale that has a massive amount of ETH in my wallet myself. And that is way out of my price line. I do not have 2.5 
0.5 ETH to mint an NFT. So when I say that I don't think the price is absolutely crazy. I'm not coming from a point of someone who can just easily mint that because I don't own one. I have no stake in this and I have no reason to defend this at all. I just look at all of these things that I just said and I'm comparing it to the price and I'm saying, okay, yeah, I can't afford it, but I understand why some people would be able to afford it. And if they have that money and they have the value into it, okay, cool, great for them. Because what is value, honestly? It is what someone is willing to pay for a particular thing. So a lot of people look at two pieces of art. Some people will say, yeah, that is just a just absolute disaster. It looks like someone kicked over a paint bucket and just splashed it on this. This is horrible. Then the next person walks by and says, oh, it is absolutely beautiful and is willing to pay millions of dollars for it. So two people look at something and they value it completely different. And we're talking about, let's get completely out of this visual aesthetics and art and subjective things and we're going to uh, real estate. Okay, someone might do the comps for the neighborhood and say, yeah, there is nothing in this neighborhood selling for more than 300,000 US dollars, right? However, someone comes in and they see that, that their childhood house is for sale on the market in that area. Well, everyone else puts in their bid for 300,000 because that's what that neighborhood is worth. Well, the person that grew up in that house and has emotional attachment to that house, however, uh, they now have made it in life and whatever, and for whatever reason, they wanna buy their childhood house, show it to their children, keep it in the family lines and uh, tell their story. And they come in and they make a ridiculous offer of double what everyone else is offering, $600,000. It's like, what? Someone is willing to pay $600,000 for that. Yes, it is worth $600,000 to that person. So to say this house is not worth $600,000 is is not fair because if someone is willing to pay that $600,000, it is worth it even though the market price, the average in the neighborhood and all that, the quote unquote floor price on the street is nowhere near that. It doesn't matter because that person might've made their money in LA where the market is absolutely crazy and they could never afford to buy one of these houses over over in LA for the millions and millions of dollars. So seeing a local suburban house for 600,000, no problem. That's my childhood house. I'll pay for that in cash today. That's what some people are thinking when they look at this stuff. So we're talking about the NFT market saying, oh, it's not worth it. The value of it, it's crazy. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that because if someone has that money and they're willing to pay for it, they see the value in it and they'll get think they'll get a return or whatever it might be. Well, power to them and I'm happy for the next guy. Unfortunately, I'm not in it, but I definitely have different groups that I'm in that is in my price range and I feel like I get so much more value than it. And of course, as I started this whole thing off saying that it was my fellow Chibi that made the suggestion for uh, speaking about this. And, you know, that's one of the things that's in my price range. I have those and I get so much alpha and information from that group. Love what's going on over there. But this is not about them. However, I'm not going to say I'm just 100% optimistic and ray, ray, ray and ready to be a cheerleader for uh, this particular project because there are some areas of concern. And first and foremost, I have to say that I don't know how much attention you can give 10,000 people. Using that same example of Augusta National, that is 300 members, right? 300 members, you can know every single person by their name. Okay, Mr. Manning, how would you like your iced tea today? You know that Warren Buffett likes a particular type of Coca-Cola. He likes it at a particular temperature, not really frozen, a little bit off the fridge for 15 minutes, and he likes it lean to the right because it gets some of the fizz out. I'm just saying, I'm just making this stuff up. I know that Warren Buffett is a huge Coca-Cola drinker and he holds a lot of stocks. So that's why I use that as an example. But anyways, so when you have that attention to detail of a small, intimate group, it is completely different. Even that mastermind that I said that one of my bucket list goals is to join that $100,000 mastermind, it's 25 people in it, bouncing ideas 
ideas off of each other, business holders and all this cool stuff. So you guys really get to know each other, understand each other's businesses, frustrations, strengths, weaknesses, and you can help each other out. 10,000 people in a group, I don't know what's going to go on there, but they're talking about all sorts of different things. You look at the roadmap, it's very vague. They're talking about perching, which is basically like a glorified staking, but it's going to be inside of the wallet. And you don't have to send that out anywhere, the NFT. It's going to be perched or staked within the wallet. See how that works out. That sounds pretty interesting. But then there's things about the metaverse and all sorts of things. It's just very vague and what have you. I don't know. They probably intentionally put it that way so that they're not over-promising and they can deliver whatever it is. So who knows where that's going to go. But then also there is a lot of saying about this can't fail because it is venture backed. I think that's a huge point of concern because if people are baking that into the price saying that, okay, it minted for 0.25. However, now that it is 18 or 21 or whatever it might be, it's all good because it's venture backed and there's so much money behind this. It can't fail. Well, what I'm going to tell you is look up something called WeWork. There is a documentary out right now, which I haven't even seen it, but I've just been following the story long enough to know that there was so much money put into that company and it doesn't matter. Like they were just burning through money left and right. So it doesn't matter how deep their pockets are. Someone can spend it. They can burn through the money. So don't ever get that twisted and say, well, if this venture capital backed, that it is definitely a sure thing. Because in Silicon Valley and VC, like first of all, they want to pour a lot of money into companies because the more money that they put out, the better the return is. And they have no problem you burning through money. And if you read the hard things about hard things, which is written by a venture capitalist, someone who now backs a lot of things, has a lot of experience in investing, what have you. As far as one of the main things that jumps out to me in that is VCs ask a question like, how fast can you spend X? If you had a million dollars, what would you spend it on? Because they want to know that you can spend that money. And that is, I don't know, it's like a counterintuitive way of looking at an investment. But it's basically like if you can't burn through $100 million, I don't think this is a worthwhile company to invest in because they don't have enough scaling issues or problems to be able to use this kind of money. And if I'm not making a $100 million investment, it is not worth my time and energy because I'm trying to get to a billion and making a little $10,000 here and $5,000 investments is not going to get us to that billion. That is how they're looking at it. It's a completely different game. So understanding that VCs and they have a very high tolerance for risk. And as far as losing money and burning through money, it is a completely different ball game than the average person counting how much ETH is this. We're talking about billions of dollars and all sorts of things. So WeWork and all sorts of other companies have learned if you look at a lot of these venture backed companies within the last two years, some crazy stuff has happened. So that is no guarantee. But anyways, some other areas of concern for me is that this whole thing is a liquidity drain from the market. When I say liquidity drain from the market is if someone is tying up 20 ETH or whatever it might be into this particular project, that is 20 ETH that they cannot put somewhere else. And just let's say it's a, just a couple thousand, 2000 people are willing to pay that 20 ETH, that is 40,000 ETH that is tied up in this project and can't be spent in other projects. And that equals over $120 million. So just think about it. $120 million in this bear market is now tied up in Moonbirds that can't be put into 
other projects that need this money a lot more. And we're talking about the people that flipped and they're buying at the top, right? Some people will say, yes, absolutely. They had to buy it from someone. So it frees up liquidity and money is going around in circles. But you don't know how many people are actually buying at the top and that money is locked up there. So if 2,000 people are buying this at 20 ETH, that is $120 million being tied up. So that is an area of concern for me. But going back to all of this stuff, what is my overall opinion of the project? And do I think this is a great thing, a bad thing? I don't really have uh, any horses in the race, if you will. So Anything that's really going on like this, I, I find it cool for the simple fact that it was so much excitement and commotion over the weekend and lots of tweets. It was blowing up spaces. I was in so many spaces about various other projects and Moonbirds were coming up. So it was definitely some interesting talking points and just made the weekend very interesting for me. However, the biggest complaint I think was the whole raffle system. It's because people that had a lot of money ended up setting... 10, 15, 20, I heard as much as uh, 100 wallets with 2.5 ETH to get into the raffle. And some of them had a higher hit rate as such as eight. So we're talking about one guy having eight wallets that was selected for this raffle, got into it and then consolidated all of that, flipped from the 2.5 up to 20 ETH. And that is a massive gain. So this person now is sitting with so much money, so much ETH to put elsewhere. And, you know, that could be just something awesome. However, who knows what's going to go forward. We're still in this slow period. So maybe it's going to slow down the rest of the market. But at the same time, too, the whales that are buying it way up there. Now this guy on the come up who obviously still had a lot of money to begin with, because if you can set up 100 wallets or whatever it might be with 2.5, you're able to consolidate that and now put it somewhere else. So I think it's going to hurt the little projects more than anyone, but the big projects and everything like that, and they're not chasing these point uh, one. NFTs on OpenSea and what have you. So I don't know if it's going to really change all that much. The people that are price conscious and everything, they're not into the projects that I'm into. So I don't really expect the market to move too crazy. However, maybe they would have noticed that a couple of the projects that I, I, I happen to own are undervalued and they would have came into it, but now they're just tied up in this uh, massive project. Who knows? But I'd love to know, what are your thoughts? Anything that you see on the market right now that is concerning, especially with this project, since I spent so much time talking about it. But generally speaking, all the information that I did say about this, it doesn't just apply to the Moonbirds. It really applies to any project. And that is how I evaluate things. And even, for example, the crypto tech women that I do own, the part of that has the the Web3 bootcamp and all of that is I priced it against courses. I'm like, okay, a course for this type of material is probably going to be $1,000 or so. So it's minting at, I think at the time I minted it, it was probably either 0.5 or 0.6. I can't exactly remember, but that is still cheaper than a course. So I think that is well worth it. So there's different ways of looking at all this and seeing if something is worth it and uh, if this is a great idea or not. But hey, to each their own, if you have it, power to you. And I'd love to know your thoughts. Thank you for listening to this. I know this one's a little bit long, went all over the place, but hopefully you found value in this. And I'm excited as we learn and build Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.